We are less than two weeks away from the Super Bowl, and Atlanta is pretty much sold out. It is going to be awesome. If you still want it to come, send us an email, simsandlufko at gmail.com. We'll see what we get. Really almost sold out? You're not just having me say this to create? That's no BS. Like We're pretty much out of seats. And I hear that we have a DJ coming. Ooh, we do. Our boy Rod Simba hit me up today. He's coming down. It now it's like. a party. Yep. Now it's a party. I'm pretty sure, didn't Dennis Rodman talk to Rod Simba? What I was think, that story? Yeah, I, don't, I don't know exactly what it was, but I think Rod is doing some big time music producing. But, I, yeah. but, did, but didn't the he, Kim Jong Un podcast? Yeah, exactly. yeah <laughs> Kim Jong Un and Dennis Robin. But didn't he send them the Simpson Left go music and go? I, I got to get the this? exact story okay. before I before I share it. But I well, will get Rod it. Simba's fine with. We Rod. might have to keep Dantana's open after hours for the Rod Simba DJ session. Daddy cigars. We should. Yeah, are they okay with daddy cigars? Bar. I guess we'll find Dantana's. out next week. Uh, other thing is. Like Rod Simba gets VIP seating, of course. Like he gets a premier no front row seat. Like, wow, I mean, he has to. It's oh, you're just deal. deciding the seating well, chart I mean, now. I'm not deciding right, it, yeah. but I think you agree. You yeah. said, of course, yeah, right? No problem. Yeah, okay. You agree, it's like the right? Night before his wedding, babe. <laughs> I, I mean, I need Bill Belichick sitting at our table. Okay, <laughs> yeah, you haven't right. looked at the seating chart for right. months. <laughs> yeah, right. We mean all two weeks of my wedding. Do you think Bill uh, Belichick goes to weddings? Yes. I do. I don't, I don't know. Do you know that does. for a fact, or you're just yeah, speculating? No, I, you're right. I don't know that for a fact. Right. I don't know. Just that. wondering. Yeah. Hey, Bill. Me and my wife. Me and my friends. We were kind of hoping. I don't know. I just <laughs> see him being a quick no. Uh, but wear your big off-season shirts. Bring the energy. Yell at Sims. We're also going to do Q and A's pretty much every night. So don't don't tell me you didn't have time to think of one. I'm telling you right now. If you're going. Think of some funny questions. Get on Think the of porch. some football questions. Get Smoke on the porch. Smoke some daddy cigars. Stimulate your brain. Exactly. Um, and Don't do this part. We still got to talk about the schedule. Okay. Oh. oh. Happy birthday to our second favorite coach in the NFL, Sean McVay. Tomorrow, who, when this comes out, because yes. we're taping on Wednesday, yes. it is his birthday. Wow. And if he wins the Super Bowl, he will be the youngest to ever win. So what is he, 33 or 34 now? I think he's turning 33. That yeah. is Let me unbelievable. That. It's really so, making me feel self-conscious. As a 32-year-old, that will be 33 in May. <laughs> yeah. Me versus Sean McVay, he's kicking my ass. Right so <laughs> McVay is 32, turning 33 on tomorrow, January 24th. Belichick is 66, turning 67 in, in April. May or April. Okay. And uh, Tomlin is, the, I'm getting this off of Reddit, Tomlin is the youngest head coach to ever win a Super Bowl at 36 years mm. old. Tom Coughlin is the oldest at 65. Wow. So, so McVay Pete would Carroll, be... If Pete Carroll would have won a few years ago, he would have been the oldest. And now if Belichick wins, he'll be the oldest. He'll be the oldest? So it's either the youngest or the oldest. We're getting a so, new Super Bowl. So Tom legend. was 65, you said, Coughlin? Yes, he was. And Belichick's how old right now? 66, 66 right 66. now. 66, huh? That's cool, yeah. Hey. Pete Carroll's 92. <laughs> That's amazing. It's to be able to jump around and chew gum like he does at 92 is amazing. What were you going to say? That's, that's him in the coaching world, though. What do you mean? He's like he's Josh? the Sean McVay of Google reports of Google Docs. Yeah, he's thirty. Sean McVay of Google reports. Yes, yep, that's, that's you. Me. You're thirty three. Going what, on there are social media companies all over the place trying to find their Josh Fendrick. They're Sean McVay of Google yes. reports. Oh my yeah. gosh. Google reports. Google what a products. Yeah, They're really good. If Josh Fendrick is Sean McVay, then I am Daryl Bevel. Whoa! Let's do some quick. No, you're not. You're no. above that. No, uh, I dude, would. I'm I, Bruce Arians. I forgot to tell you today, but we can just do. Now I watched the Fire Festival documentary last night. Which one? Netflix. Yeah, <sighs> mind blowing. Now watch the Hulu. I will because I watched That's the Hulu the better last one? Oh, night. So we'll do a no, full no, no. Breakdown. It's not better. Okay. It's so you have no idea what this is. Do have you, you know ever what heard the Fire of the Festival? Fire Festival? Is? No. 
I feel you like have I've no idea what it is, but I don't really know. No, there was a festival supposedly going to be put on that yeah. involved. I can't believe we're going into this. Some of the biggest social media stars, all these influencers on one day, all Instagrammed an orange flame, going back to the fire festival that was going to be put on partially by Ja Rule. It was going to have the biggest musicians I'm of all remembering, time. Remembering, keep going down yes. in a little island in the Bahamas. Right. Meanwhile, <laughs> they announced they were doing it in February and tried to throw it in April, and. Everyone said no, and the main guy the whole time was going, no, we're going to do it. We're going to do it, which reminds me of so many people that I've met in my life. Right. And they took in millions and millions, and it was all fraud. The people that actually went there, it was like hurricane FEMA tents. Right. They were it was crap. Like, I remember all this now. But it was, it was just these guys, and they're constantly frauding. Like, even when they got caught, they were trying to fraud in other ways to then pay for that. It was just a nonstop cycle. But the Hulu one is gets more into who he is, the right. main guy. What's his name? Billy McFarland. Billy McFarland. Just a total who, scumbag. My girlfriend goes into her emails and goes... I have four emails from Billy McFarland. She was getting those social New York of her trying oh to or him trying to, trying to get them to come and all that oh, stuff. Geez. How do these people live with themselves? That's the number one thing that my girlfriend said right after. How, how, how are you capable of that? Yeah, it's amazing. You know why? Because if you can lie to the person in the mirror, you can lie to anybody. That's that's a, you're exactly right. And when we get to the game film later, some of these coaches were lying to yep, themselves. They're not the very mirror. good, and at that is why they call you the transition king. Like all right, that. so. Quick news and notes because some things did happen before. Daryl Bevel to the Lions. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's I mean, my take. That's the way I feel about it, too. Yes, I am. I mean, what are we doing? I, we're, we're, what are we doing to Matt Stafford? I don't know. I mean, it's it's certainly not an upgrade. I think the only thing that Matt Patricia is probably looking at there is going, well, Daryl Bevel will run the football. He used to do that in 2012 that's, and 2013. That feels like but A plus B equals C. I, I agree. Uh, now, hopefully, Daryl Bevel's learned some things. I mean, I know he was right. down in Atlanta helping out here and there, but uh, yes, that is a definite underwhelming. Uh, offensive hire for me, for Matt Stafford, for a guy who I'm going, please, somebody help this guy. Okay, and they're finally, even though he took a step back this year, I feel like they're on the direction finally of helping him with a run Creating game. Creating a play-action offense. Right, doing yeah. that stuff. But I'm just not so sure this guy is the most creative guy I've ever seen in the what history of football. What a bad six months for Stafford. They oh, trade away man. Tate. They hire Bevel. Yeah. Uh, Chiefs fire Bob Sutton. Right. And you'll hear in our film review later why. Uh, there are Rex Ryan rumors, but I'm seeing right now that Steve Spagnolo is the favorite. Okay, uh, Reed and Spagnolo work together in Philadelphia. They have the same agent. They know each other, so sure. all those things line up. Yeah, not the biggest fan of Spagnolo. No, I, I, I haven't seen in the last few years any of his defense. I just, I just see unceremonious firings of Steve Spagnolo when the defense doesn't click. It's a little bit. It, it, it honestly, it's it can be Bob Suttonish his defense. For you, you can go. Well, there's some creative things. I like it, but they never seem to be sound when they do it or they do this wrong. I mean, hey, yeah, what did, is a Spagnolo? They defense? have the year. Well, it's it's. Uh, I would say Spagnola defense would be how would I really describe it? He is a multiple defensive guy who certainly agrees with pressure and trying to confuse the quarterback. But within doing that, a lot of the times he confuses himself and his own team. I guess that's what and I would they're argue. They're very unsound, right? And- like you know, hey, two years ago they created. Remember three years ago they created a lot of plays. The Giants, I think the defense was number two in football. Landon, Landon Collins, Collins was all the picks, up. Yeah. interceptions. But then the next year teams had a chance to study it. Yes. They figure out the blitzes he likes and the crazy coverages and all of a sudden they get exposed and they're not the same unit. Um, so I don't get Would that. you have liked Rex Ryan in Kansas City? Like, I'm all for Rex Ryan 
All right, first of all, I laughed when I heard well, it. Well, Bob Sutton, it would be the same defensive language, right? Bob Sutton came from Rex Ryan, so you're going to have that. Is it? Are we going to get Rex Ryan Jets and before? Or are we going to get Jet Rex Ryan who went to Buffalo. Buffalo and just played one coverage the whole time he was there and was like, I'm the head coach and we're playing man. Him I being mean, the D.C., though. I know. Hopefully he could go back into that role of being a special, special know. coach. I know. That's, that's what they need I, to figure it's out. Just, uh, guys, it's really hard to be in the media for two years or however long he's been, and yeah. then go back. It, because it it's a different lifestyle. You begin to talk to other former players, you're like, man, remember we did that? That was crazy. It's like a former life. I know. To ramp it back up with a team that can go to the Super Bowl in the next two, three years? Yeah. I don't know, man. I know. But it's in these guys' DNA to be like that, too. I mean, he's probably... Yeah, a lot of times the coaches are like, damn, I mean, I'm just doing TV once a week. What the hell am I supposed to do the other six days of the week? Mm. They're psychos. That's why they're NFL head coaches for the most part. And when he was on his game, I'll get to you in a yeah. second, he was really a special defensive coordinator. I mean special. Like, I know. You know, did things to where, you know, again, I'll break it down to New England's but point of view. it's like seven years. I was there in New England. We were facing him, though. I mean, he was one of those games where I had to go downstairs and go... I don't, I don't know, know what, what this, this coverage is. is. Yeah, like we got to talk through this. I got about twenty-five plays here where I've broken them down, and I got everything else broken down. But there's like twenty-five plays here where I don't know what the hell this coverage is and what they're trying to do. Yeah, I mean, and that's that does speak. We've always to me. wanted Rex to just be a DC. Yeah, really. Do you think that Rex has been paying close enough attention and watching enough film based on what you've seen on TV or have heard about him that he could jump right back in, or is he going to be behind the times Ugh. when he when he gets in? You hate that question? Yeah. No, I just I think about Rex Ryan like watching film, and I don't think he I don't has think it's been. been happening a lot okay. either. Just from what I've seen, just on from ESPN, watching ESPN, yeah. going, no, this doesn't make sense. Yeah, I mean, he makes you know, he listen, he's an NFL head coach, and he has knowledge to share, but he I, has not come off to me that going, oh man, Rex is all over this matchup. Yep, yeah. and damn, he broke down this team's tendencies really good. Let me tune in next week. Yep. No, that has not happened. Yeah. It's the Lewis Riddicks. It's the other guys where I go, oh, okay. Yeah. Paying attention. Uh, Larry Fitzgerald back on a one year deal. He gets to keep making runs at some some all time records. He's up there. It's pretty crazy. Um, The Carson Wentz now, I just want to speak on this. A lot of of the team have come forward. And this is a funny thing about this. The story was that six guys came forward. Right. Okay. Yeah. So there's 47 guys that can come forward. A lot of guys are supposed to come forward. I'm just saying where there's smoke, there's fire. In every in every lie, there's a little bit of truth. Sure. Is this story, is the whole team think he's selfish and egotistical? No, of course not. Do I think he's like that? No. But do I think that there's a faction of the team that some of this stuff is probably a little bit true? Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I do too. So right now, if you're a website in Philadelphia... I would have a public chart, and it would say, who's come out and defended Carson Wentz? Who are the remaining players? And I'm boiling down that six. That's who, what who I would do. Who else has come out? I know Fletcher and Jason Brandon Brooks Peters right away. They've and, all come out. And Jason Kelsey has come out. Malcolm Jenkins has come out. Right. Alshon Jeffrey has not come out. There you go. Yeah, right. Hey, listen. Just saying. I, I mean, I, I, you're, I think my take is exactly like yours. And just to add some depth to it again— what a lot of these problems I hear again, these aren't Carson Wentz problems. Right. These are these are issues the Philadelphia Eagles organizations it's having a culture and issue. giving him too much leeway or kissing his ass too much as a top five draft pick, yes. which was what. Oh, sorry, I totally that was. On your that was screen. like a full piece. So a much one. liquid. That dessert. You deserve it. Was that a piece the, of rice? No, it was straight. When spit, I was younger, we'd call that a, we'd call that a gleek. A gleek. Yeah, I've never heard that. It's one. like when you're talking, it's like. 
We call that a man. Glink. That was a good one. Sorry. Jeez. You're sick, anyways. But anyways, um, my point was, oh, that's a Philadelphia Eagles problem, right? They've let. Carson Wentz be empowered here to where he's not accountable and that's what happens in the locker room sometimes when you are like that and you don't hold your top 10 picks accountable. The team starts to look at it and go, oh, well, he can do whatever he wants. He's a he's a top 10 pick. So. I'm listening to Mike Lombardi's yeah, book right. and he's talking about Jim Mora Jr. in Atlanta Yeah, and Deont- De- uh, well, who's our guy? D'Angelo Hall. D'Angelo Hall. Right. They show up to go on a bus to a bowling trip and D'Angelo Hall has a Bentley delivered that same day. Not only did Jim Mora Jr. not make sure he got on the bus, he hopped in the passenger seat. Are you kidding me? And six months later, he was gone. So there you go. Shout out to Mike Lombardi. Those are little things. Yeah, little things like that. Little things like that that go a long way. The team sees that. And then as soon as D'Angelo Hall blows the coverage, there's a few guys in the back of the meeting room that go, he wasn't worried about his Bentley Bentley all the time. But, But the thing is, is Carson... Carson is a religious person. Yeah. He is a he is a a very kind person. He has a food truck feeding the homeless. Uh, we we've witnessed his wedding. Carson is not the diva, and thus the stories don't seem like they apply right. to him. But in a football world, diva is not always the loud outspoken doesn't mean guy. He doesn't have an ego. Yeah, you look, know? we always hear about Belichick being able to yell at Brady. Yeah. That's where apparently I think this is good for the Eagles. I really do. I well, I think, I think it's great for the. If Eagles. If there is an issue there, Carson Wentz is hopefully going to self-evaluate and start to think about. Oh, you know me, maybe saying I don't want to run these plays because yep. Nick Foles does them, or yep. I'm more advanced than he is. Exactly. You know he's going to start to realize things. Damn. Well, they're winning the other way. The and other reason I love. I got to change. Yeah. The other reason I love yeah. this. This is the elephant in the room. Yeah. And we're dealing with it in February. Right. This could have been an entire offseason of going, man, you think he's going to be as good as Nick? Man, you think he's going to be as good as Falls? It's out on the table now. Right. Now all the best players have come out and said, Wentz is our guy. Wentz is our guy. We're handling this in February. Now he gets all offseason to talk to them more. Because if this would have gone into September or October, yeah. it would have been worse. Yes. Um, laser used in Brady's face. Mm. Did you see it on film at all? You know what? I did not. And I, got, I won't lie, I wasn't specifically looking for it. I wish I probably looked for it a little harder. I think it's a story. It is a story, of course. I mean, first of all, there's unethical people in the Kansas City fan base. I saw them throwing ice balls at people the week before, okay? And they throw to, a beer can after the game. They uh, tried to throw an ice ball at me or Rodney Harrison's head. I, I know that. Um, but... Yeah, come on. I mean, we've seen this happen in football, whether it was Brock Osweiler in Mexico City a yep. few years ago, right? There's been little issues like that, but that's that's bullshit. And that's where, you know, NFL, again, to me, this is an issue with them where I would go in. Like, spend the extra $100,000 a year and have people that watch the crowd more. So we stop people with fake whistles at a football game. So we stop people who are just 20 yards up and they're throwing ice balls at people's heads because we've seen coaches get knocked out mm. on the sidelines before at a Giants game I can remember as a kid. It happened. So, you know, yeah, have security there to monitor those rows to see if a laser is going up, whatever it may be. That's just the things I think about. Um, I'm going to go to Reddit really quick, and I'm just going to read a bunch of the ones that I find interesting. I just want to shout out to everybody on the Reddit NFL thread. It really is incredible. The, the stories that go in there compared to like other websites, they're so much better. So yeah. here's one. On Sunday, Tom Brady completed his record-extending 12th playoff game-winning drive. He now has twice as many as second place. 
Elway with six. That's crazy to me because you know that that's what Elway was known for for the last 30 years. Right. And he's doubled them. Yeah. That's crazy. It's crazy. But Elway never had the team Tom Brady did if we were going to have this conversation, right? I mean, Elway didn't get the chance to go, oh, the first three times we go down the field, I really don't have to do anything except hand the ball off and throw a screen and throw to a Gronkowski wide open over the middle. So, yes, and and speaking of it, it is great, but I'm just trying to give some context, too, that there's been a lot of greatness around him to help those situations, and I'm still not trying to do anything bad here, Tom Brady-wise. I'm very sensitive to that. Uh, It's amazing what they're doing. To go further in this, in 12 postseason games, Julian Edelman has 96 catches for almost 1,200 yards. It's insane. Just their success in the playoffs together is wild. Yes. I mean, they're playing extra seasons of playoff football. I mean, that's what they're doing. Brady's played three or two and a half extra years of football just in playoff football. I mean, that's that's amazing in itself. A lot of people have been asking me this week, is Edelman a Hall of Famer, right? You know, that's been the big thing. I've had a lot of people come up. Is Edelman a Hall of Famer? Is Edelman a Hall of Famer? Edelman's really good. He's not a Hall of Famer in my eyes. I don't look at it that way. Because of the steroids? Well, or... you know, that bothers me too, definitely. But, you know, again... I don't think he'd be a Hall of Famer in a lot of places, right, where he's in the perfect place that knows how to – who's invented this position? I mean, come on. This is fucking New England. They invented the slot receiver. Wes Welker, they were the first ones to do this and make their whole team based around that kind of guy. So Edelman's also been able to do that too. But I think, I mean, you put Edelman up in Green Bay where they don't know how to do those type of routes and things, we don't ever hear from him. To me, a Hall of Fame receiver is a guy you can split out on the side – all game long and go, if they put the best corner on you, we expect you to beat them, or they're going to double-team you to stop you, and it's going to open up other people. And Edelman is not that. Edelman, if he's ever double-teamed, is only, this is like the same argument I've used with Michael Thomas, he's double-teamed because the team that they're playing knows, wow, their coaches design a lot of cool plays for him in big situations, and we have to stop the coach who's going to design this play for him here. Not about, oh man, we have nobody that can cover Edelman or Michael Thomas. Yeah. Nobody. That's just not what the story is. It is. It's it's just hard because what I happens know. is, is five years after they retire, right. no one remembers scheme, right. no one remembers I coaches. Know. We look at the numbers. It's the same reason why I complain about the Pro Bowl being bullshit. Yeah. Nobody cares about the Pro Bowl until we're up for Hall of Fame and Ty Law had seven, but Champ had nine. But I thought it doesn't fucking matter. Yeah. It just, it's crazy to it me. It is. It is crazy. Uh, speaking of. Speaking of. This weekend, bigger than the Super Bowl, it is. It has arrived. Shut up. I can find his and as. <laughs> did it again. There is an opportunity this weekend for the greatest pieces of social content to be made that this earth has ever seen. There is an opportunity for us to get video of something that is better than Super Bowls combined. Take the last five, put them together, won't be this entertaining. There is something that can happen this weekend. At the Senior Bowl? That they're going to ruin, and they can't. Oh. Patrick Mahomes is at the Pro Bowl. We have asked for the longest time. Scrap the game. It's nonsense. They don't tackle. I haven't watched more than 40 seconds of it in the last decade. But you know what I will watch? Patrick Mahomes in a throwing challenge. Line him up on the end end line. How far can he throw it? I don't really care. It's going to be amazing. That seven-second clip of the ball in the air, meme it up. 
Patrick Mahomes target practice. Patrick Mahomes running. Let's do quarterback trick shots. Let's do horse. Patrick Mahomes is going to roll out, do a sidearm through a tire 60 yards away. All right, Breeze, go for it. <laughs> we can see Patrick Mahomes. This is where we can really see him. Yeah. I want to see him throwing off against the crossbar from 80. I want him throwing behind the back for 40. I want Mahomes to show the first skip pass, bounce it off the turf into somebody's hands. He can do it. The best event of the next two weeks, bigger than Rams-Patriots, is Mahomes at the Pro Bowl. Seriously. When are they doing the skills challenge? Who knows? I don't know. today or tomorrow. Oh, no. Yeah. Really? The Pro Bowl is this week. Uh, It needs to be primetime viewing. (laughs) I'll look it up. Hold the, on. Yeah, this is everything. Yeah. This is this is a guy that has done things we've never seen, and he's agreeing to do things. I wish they would bring the quarterback challenge That's back. That's what I'm saying. And this kind of thing. Yeah, I used well, to they had it last year where they're throwing through numbers. <laughs> yeah. and they're all, Right. I just, just forget all the other quarterbacks. Just let Mahomes do it five times. <laughs> Thursday, 9 p.m. So tonight. When so, the podcast comes out, it'll be tonight. What are you guys doing tomorrow night? You want to get together? I'll be watch, watching. Watch the skills challenge together? I'm oh, so down. It's so funny is Philip has been asking ever since he knew Mahomes was going to be in it. Has been asking what? He knew. I, okay. Yeah. i got to have a conversation. you got to have a conversation with me? Stop stealing my There's Spider-Man. There's a thing that parents do yeah. that I find very funny. Yeah. And I usually call it the percentile parent. Right. Oh, how's your child? Oh. Well, his hands are 110 percentile. Okay. Oh, how's your kid? Mm, well, he's reading at a fifth grade right, level and right. he's second grade. Are you making this stuff up about Philip? I mean, what, what would be made up? I mean, am I making up about the kid who now goes out and talks to himself in jerseys out in the jersey? Uh, I mean, how much video? I'm just saying, seen? like, he had the wherewithal to go. Patrick Mahomes didn't make the Super Bowl. Sees it. We might be able to see the throwing. He sees he's in the Pro Bowl or he's talked about it, right? So he starts to go there. Is then he paying he, attention in he's school? He's YouTubing crap. That's where he gets all his info from so how i hope he comes you? up to you and goes hey dad i saw some interesting youtubes earth might be hey, flat fuck my son okay <laughs> i'm not giving him any free passes okay i knew that philip was in the hundredth percentile for football brain when chris walked in over the summer and said that he walked in on philip watching ya tittle highlights yes that right. was when i was like what yeah, yeah. he will sit there and watch the history of the giants i'm only kidding and crap like that but thursday night thursday 9 night. p.m patrick right. mahomes why's it got to be breeze that you want him to go against what is that I want, we could, well I'm just the two guys that got eliminated in the championship who's in I don't even know the quarterbacks that are actually in the pro Bowl at this point I don't uh, even know let's see here I don't know I know Amari Cooper's now in is he Deshaun Watson's in okay that's worth turning in I'll pull it up Andy on. Dalton just kidding but it, you would believe it like how low could I go in the quarterback name of saying they're in the pro Bowl that you would believe it I, I Josh mean, Allen got in. Yeah, uh, oh, okay. Yeah, there was nine cool, quarterbacks man. that canceled in the AFC. Yeah. I, I mean, I really don't even know all of them. I don't know. Ben is Ben in now? I thought I heard Ben was in now. I'm looking it up. Who cares? All yeah, right, but let's thir- go. that's to me. I'm very excited to watch. Yeah, I hope they do. They hope they have that little quarterback thing. That they I'm telling you, just scrap the game. Right. Make all the wide receivers run the forty. And, and just do speed trials. Let's find out who the fastest wide receiver is. Running backs, like, let's do, let's put up a sensor where you run into it and we see who has the hardest truck stick. Quarterbacks, like, line up. Who can throw it the furthest? Let's do an accuracy challenge. Like, let's put an apple on somebody's head and knock that bad boy off. Right. Cornerbacks, like, 
We're gonna we're gonna test your speed too. Like let's just, just forget the game. Yeah. Just make these guys race against each other, and then do the bench press in the middle of the field like they used to with Larry Allen. I I, I used to love that stuff. Man, back in the day when it was Daryl Green running in the sixty yard sprint, yes. NFL's fastest man. I was tuning in on a Saturday. They afternoon. should have the Pro Bowl in Indianapolis, and it should just be the combine for for, for NFL for players. The stars. Just do the just do the combine. Yes. So the quarterbacks are Mahomes, Andrew Luck, and Deshaun Watson okay. for the AFC, and then for the NFC, Russell Wilson, Mitch Trubisky, and Dak Prescott. Wow. All right. Like Mitchell Trubisky and Dak Prescott in the Pro Bowl. Yeah. That's crazy. It is crazy. I know. That's enough Pro Bowl talk for me personally. Yeah, yeah me perfect. too. Let's move on. All right, uh, so we're going to get into the film. I have a lot of good stuff on the film, but before we get to it, we're going to start off with Rams Saints. It was the first game. Todd Gurley came out and said he played sorry as hell. Mm-hmm. You loved it. Yeah. Have we gotten any more information if, if he was banged up or if he just wasn't playing I well? saw quotes from him to say he was not and that he was just sorry as hell. That's what He was kind of explaining that right there. No, I wasn't banged up. I was just sorry as hell. And I do. I give him a lot of credit for this day and age where – Players always make some sort of excuse or have some reason. He just faced it like a man and said it. He did play like crap, whether it was the dropped interception or the dropped third down pass where he ran on the halfback choice. Uh, and you could tell that it was in his head to a degree. I mean, he looked like he was deer in the headlights a little bit. He Now that I have heard him say that, yeah. him stretching on the sideline yeah. is him sort of being like, what the Yeah, fuck right. Like, let me kiss, stay warm. I don't know what the hell to do. The other social media little nugget that came out that was great, uh, Ted Rath, the strength and conditioning coach, who my girl Serena Morales with the Rams does a feature on him all the time. Right. He's officially the get-back coach of Sean McVay, where Sean McVay is on the sideline. And the funniest thing is if you see this video. NFL Films did it. Rath walks. He's just he's only focused on the referee and the coach. That's his sole mission, which right. is incredible to be paid for that, which is great. He is the strength and conditioning. Well, he's strength, I know, yeah. but on game, could you imagine on yeah. game day, you're not really watching the game. All you're, you're doing, you're just watching McVeigh and the ref. But what I thought was so funny, it's almost adorable, is that Rath runs up and like gently grabs his hips, and McVeigh instantly is just like guide me. Yeah, like they look like Rose and Jack in Titanic. Right. Like he's like, uh, uh, move out of the way of the ref. <laughs> and the amount of people that hit us up, Sims, yes, and said Chris needed that for the so Chiefs. Colts thank games. you, thank you very Non-stop. much, everybody. Thank you, thank you. But yes, uh, I, I've seen that. It's a lot like the guy in Clemson, the defensive yes. coordinator, right? Who? Has, Why do some coaches need and others don't? Well, because they're psychos and they're on the field too much. And usually, the strength and conditioning coach is kind of that guy, right? Anywhere I was, we talk about my buddy, you know, Waterson down yes, in, in Tennessee. Tennessee. He was always in control of the sideline, right? You weren't going to mess with him. You knew you were put in charge by the head coach. To they're watch usually that. really loud. They're usually really loud, and they're usually freakish strong too to where you're like damn I mean I could probably take him but it's not worth all the energy yeah like, he might be able to grab yeah. Aaron Donald's arm and actually move him back right, like they're psychos they are true lifelong meatheads uh yeah and that's their job during a game is my, just to make sure the coach doesn't get anybody in trouble or the players don't get in the way of the coaches it's going to be one of the two my question about this was so Ted Rath strength and conditioning coach during the week he's the get back coach on Sunday yeah are there any other positions where they have like an actual job during the week but then a totally weird job on Sundays during the games Ooh. is anyone else on the sideline doing weird stuff that we don't know about is the quarterback coach all of a sudden in charge of getting the tea ready for kickoff right. well I mean you know someone peeling oranges for orange slices no. at halftime pee on oranges peeling, oh, peeling oranges 
No, like, what oranges yeah, are that, you eating? That's a good question, actually. I mean, the strength and conditioning coach, his assistant, Ooh. are all going to be on charge of the sideline duty for the most part. They're and always going to be overprotected, and they're always going to be all over. Hey, get back, guys! Get back, guys! Remember the Northwestern um, guy that didn't wear long yes, sleeves? Yes. Right. I'm trying to think if there's anything else. The answer can be no. No, I, I think it curious. is no. I think it is no. Of course, like equipment guys got to all of a sudden be worried about all this audio technical stuff during a game. So I always think about them because all week they're worried about our shoulder pads or laundry. And all of a sudden they're like, hey, his microphone's not working in the 70,000 seat arena. And some guy's like, I just put 70 be, logos right. on the he's helmet. Like, oh, dude. He's like, and he wants to look at the coach and be like, all I do is put the batteries in the pack. I don't know what <laughs> you're going to say. Like, I'm not the all of a sudden he's going to do support. that. Right, exactly. But that's about it. If I have another one, yeah. come to my mind. Like, like the quality assistant guys. Yeah, I mean, backup quarterbacks, third stringer, you can be all of a sudden in charge of writing the plays down to keep them in order so when the the coaches watch film tomorrow, they know which play is what. Wait, so you're so, telling me when the third string quarterback is writing things down on a clipboard, yes. it's not even for that game? It's just to make it easier to watch film the next day? Pretty much. It's I document. thought it was going to be like, what did we do four plays ago? No, it's just more. I mean, that is too. They're going to look at things and go back. But more or less, it is for the next day. The coach to have that, and then the the player to write the plays, even that are penalties. So then you don't get in the film, and you go, wait, wait, this play didn't really happen. I didn't it's realize documented. it was for the next That's day. That's really what it's for, more times than not. Yes. And then what were you doing on game days when you were the Patriots, uh, living in a hole, sitting in a room, living in a tapes? hole, w- waiting for everybody to go watch the game so I could go home? And That's would a- you watch the game? Yeah, of course. Okay, I wasn't sure if you were like, I'm sick of this. Most of the times I would be like, I would say about 45 minutes before the game, right? And we could like sit in the stands or like stay at our desk and watch on TV. Ooh, how special. Uh, And I was just like, "Uh, no, I'm going home. I was going to go watch this. And I'd go home and sit on the couch and watch the game. Sims has a bottle in 1942 in his cubicle (laughs) and he just kicks his feet up and opens tequila for the game. Horrible call, Bill. How (laughs) much would I have to pay you to do that job now for a year? 365. Like if you said, Adam... I'm sending you back to Hastings, Nebraska yeah. to be a one-man band news reporter. It would be a lot. I can't even think of the number. No. It's hard. It's you look back at your journey sometimes and you go, I did it, and I'm so happy I did it because yeah. it helped me out, but I don't know what it would take for me to go back and No, do that especially with what I've been able to accomplish and feel by being a dad and being around my kids to have to go back to that, to not being a dad, basically, and just being a sometimes hello dad. That's where I did it. I'm glad I did it because at least it ended the questions of if I went into media first, I would always go, man, should I have gone to coaching first? Like, I, right. I think it would always aid at me. The fact that I did it, I realized it was not the right timing in my life. I don't even think twice about it anymore. All right, so what you're going to see is as we go over the film of the two championship games, some of these teams are, are okay? beans. Not yet. Yeah. Some of these teams We're are beans. We're never going to be okay again. Um, really what happens is when I look through Sims's notes, especially at this time of the year, we're so focused on the two games that you went deeper on these and you've done any games. Usually I get a page. These I got three pages for each side of the ball. Right. So 12 pages, which means it's going to be very in-depth. But it makes me so frustrated when I read your notes. I know. Because you begin to see why would you enter that game with that game plan. Yeah. And we're going to start off, excuse me, Saints offense, Rams defense. We're going to take this slow, Sims. Okay. Nice and easy Let's for take you. take it slow, babe. 
And if we come across a note that will impact the Super Bowl, I want to focus on that as, as well. Okay. Because sometimes you'll see things that go, ooh, Rams can't do that against the Patriots. Right. Patriots can't do that against the Rams. Right. So the Rams came out, and it seemed like their concept was what we thought they would do. Yep. Drop everyone back in coverage. Right. And we're putting all of the pressure on the front four. Exactly right. Hands down. That's what they did from get-go. They were going to go, we're going to make the Rams execute. I mean, the Saints execute. We're not going to let up any deep trick plays, no play-action bombs over our head, anything like that. Keep everybody in front. Let the front four do their job in front, and we'll rally and make tackles. You said the Rams' defense is insanely fast. The one thing they do really well is closing at the ball. Yes. So as soon as the ball gets to an Alvin Kamara, yes. everyone's attacking. Attack. The Which speed, is great. It is. Their speed jumps off the film when you first turn it on. They certainly were and are the fastest defense left in the playoffs. In terms of putting all of that pressure on the front four, you said they actually put Sue and, and Donald together a lot. Yes. Is that no, normal for them? I or felt new? like it was more, not that it was normal, but I do feel like it was new. And I think they did it for run game purposes. That was where I thought it was different, too. Against the Saints. Yeah, against the Saints, because I think they said, okay, in the run game, teams are going to double Aaron Donald, right? More times than not, they're just going to go, we don't trust our guard. Let's do some sort of scheme where we know we have two guys on him so he doesn't split or juke out our guard one-on-one and get in the backfield and ruin the play. And with Sue there, that guy's going... I'm going to double-team Donald, but then what about him? Exactly, and that's mm. what happened. And all of a sudden, now the tight end's going, i got to block Sue by myself, and he was throwing them around like ragdolls. Wow, uh, I'm was, so happy Sue's performing at that Sue level Sue is now. really performing at an extraordinary level. Uh, I'm just going to stay on the D-line yeah. right now. Yeah. You wrote also, uh, you wrote, Rams all over Saints passing concepts in the first half. Only issue has been Kamara, Sue and Aaron Donald balling out Tough day for Pete Unger and Warford, and that Donald was even more dominant in the film than he was on TV, and you thought he was dominant on TV. I did, yeah, but on film, it was he was definitely in the backfield more, pushing his guy back into the backfield more than I gave him credit for on TV. You know, even just like, oh, he's blocked, and he slid off the block just as the running back was going through the hole and made the tackle, right? Like, just a lot of plays like that where I was like, oh, I didn't see that on TV. So... That was phenomenal. Yes, if I had one complaint about the Saints... Don't go in... Oh, wait, I was going to say about Kamara. About, well, I was going to go in if I had one thing about their issue Sorry. with how they were covering Kamara. Yes. I do think there was a few too many third downs where they put all their eggs into, let's keep two guys on Michael Thomas in the slot because we know Sean Payton's going to try to make something work with him. Right. And they left their running backs one-on-one to where you have to almost figure out times and formations you want to balance that, I think, when you play the Saints. Speaking of Michael Thomas, held to four catches for 36 yards. If I were to ask you now, how did they do it, it sounded like that was their main focus, especially when he was in the slot. When he was in the slot. They knew where Michael Thomas was all game. They were not going to be beat by Michael Thomas, what I would call the lucky route. What are the cues you look to see of the defense talking to each other to know that Michael Thomas is where they're looking? Right, like when the film first cuts on, right, there's just a shot of the clock, and then it goes, okay, the clock, and then it goes to the all-22, and you see the whole field. So you see the guys, they're not in the huddle, but they're 
they're walking out of the huddle to their spots, and I sit there and watch the defense, right? And just listen. You look at their communication and start to go, and you start seeing safeties point to the nickel back and giving them eyes, like you know, our eyes are there. They're making some signal with their hand, you know. And doing so whoever this. was on Michael Thomas, they were talking definitely, and especially if he motioned down to where, okay, now he's going to be in the slot. And he might run a shallow cross, or he's going to be stationary in the mm-hmm. slot, and they're going to give him these two-way goes. They were all over that aspect of the game to go, no, we're not going to let him catch a five-yard shallow cross and then turn up and break one tackle and make it a game of tw- gain of 25. They, for the most part, other than one play, I think it was in the first quarter, where Peters was man-to-man on Michael Thomas and he ran the shallow cross and got him maybe about a 15-yard gain. Yes. And as he's going out of bounds, Peters turns around to yell at his linebacker. If you remember the yes, play, right? Yes, because he just stood there. He was, he's going, no, you're supposed to like, hit Ake, him as he Aikman goes by. And said on the broadcast, I'm it was perfect coverage right. by Wade. He exactly. had the linebacker exactly where he was, and he was like spying Breeze. He was looking at Breeze in a third nine, like where you're just like, Breeze is not going to run for so 10 that yards. that was the only time. That uh, was the only time all game they lost a little like track of where he is. Uh, in terms of the Rams, they were focused on the man so much, you said. They missed a number of interceptions man. because they just had no awareness, obviously including the non-called the, P.I. The non-called P.I., the the other one that they could have called a P.I. on the drive before, where, you know, I know Saints fans are complaining because Nickel Roby Coleman, excuse me as I'm burping, was all over the slot guy, right? And it was handsy. The, you know, again, I say this to fans out there, first of all, like, a defensive player is entitled to the spot he's in, right? So just because a receiver runs into him and puts his hands on the defensive back, and now the defensive back reacts because of that, that's really offensive pass interference. The defense had every right to be there. There's no like, oh, you're on the offense, you get a free path here, and we get to move out of your way. You know, I just want to say that because I do think some people sometimes people confuse that. If the offense is initiating the contact, then it's really them at fault, and I have no problem with a no call. But yes, there was a few plays whether it was that play at the pass interference that was blatantly wrong, whether it was the third down the series before where, yes, there was some contact. If Nicole Roby Coleman just looks, he's going to intercept it. There was another throw in the flat one time where they did have Kamara kind of doubled, and I thought Marcus Peters could have jumped it, but he chickened out a little bit, Mm. and he could have picked it. And then, of course, the LaMarcus Joyner fade before the missed pass interference. I mean, that was a bad throw and a bad decision, and LaMarcus Joyner decided to, like, Go behind the receiver and wait for it to yeah, fall. You in his wrote. Hands. You wrote. That's why you can't be paid as a as a high price safety because you make mistakes. That, like that. That's. I mean, you're being paid that money to make those plays right there to end a team season. They the coaching staff has put a what we're calling an elite player in an elite position to and make a play, and he does the opposite. Doesn't mm. even break it up, but lets the other team make the play. All right. So on the pi. Yeah. You said that the down judge thirteen was reaching for the flag. He was reaching. His hand, I mean, we could watch it together here, too, if you wanted to. But he is he is literally sees the contact, hand goes, like, oh, I'm going to pull it out. And then at the last second just pulls away and decides not to do anything. And, of course, you can see the reaction of the Saints' sidelines. Oh, my Everybody really complained except for Tommy Lee Lewis, which I thought was funny. He, was he like, just kind of got he up. He kind of got up and just said whatever. He didn't argue it or anything. But, you know, uh yeah, hey, listen, that was pass interference. There's no other way to say it. I'm really sorry for Saints fans that that's the way your season has to end because it is a crappy way. But the game is more than just one play. I do want to remind everybody of that. There were two plays of Breeze that stood out from your notes. Yeah. One was the they're they're up 20 to 17. 
It's third and 17. And you, you guys will probably remember the highlight when he throws it across the middle and you kind of see two wide receivers, Ted Ginn, and they both, their eyes get wide and they realize the ball's behind them. Right. You wrote in your notes that Breeze had him wide open yeah. and that he missed him by five feet. And you wrote, other than the running back throws to Kamara, Breeze hasn't made a good throw all day. And then on the interception, he was looking for Michael Thomas. And you were shocked by two things. One, he was all the coverage was all over him. It was. It was going to be a dicey decision, no matter even if the pocket was clean. But also with Dante Fowler being that close yeah. to his face, you couldn't believe. It just seems like you didn't think Breeze had a great day. No, Breeze did not have a. I, you know, I think overall, my, Breeze, I thought struggled down the stretch. I thought his age showed a little bit. Not saying they still can't win games, but I would just, I would question anybody there to go. Just any Saints fan or anybody, just go. You know, go back in your mental, you know, brain and think about. When down the stretch of the season did you see Drew Brees make like jaw dropping plays or jaw dropping throws? Again, he can execute the offense, but when there's nothing there in the offense, he's at the age where he's not going to make it happen himself. But yes, to that play, that was that was the most shocking thing because for a guy that has played as long as he has, right? It was just amazing to me that he thought he still could get that off. That's where I just wanted to go, like, damn. Come on, Drew, you know you, that was too tight. Like, in that moment, just take the sack or whatever. But it's like at the last second he thought, oh, let me just put it up high in a safe spot for Michael Thomas. I'll be able to get it out before Dante Fowler gets there. And it was too late. Yeah. And, and, of course, he didn't even get to finish his motion or anything. So there were two things that you wrote down that Man, I believe— I don't want to sound—we sound like a Drew Brees hater. Are we sounding like that, Josh? No. I mean, your thoughts on Drew Brees at this point in the season are pretty well documented. Yeah, so okay. I don't he went care. He went 249 with two touchdowns, one interception. He played really well. And the thing that it seemed like the Saints focused on is what I want to focus in on here yeah. for the Rams' defense looking forward to the Patriots. Right. The first thing you wrote down was, same as the first game, the Rams took way too long to line up at the line of scrimmage and get in place with their defense. So what happened on the pass interference? It happened on the pass interference. And you wrote, the Patriots will take advantage of this. I can already see it now. Tom Brady, hurry up. Donald and Sue aren't even in their stance. LaMarcus Joyner's running around. You wrote that, and I went, oh, the Patriots are going to go up-tempo on them the whole time. But the Saints had success doing that. Yes, definitely had success. Still, even though the Rams were so much simpler this time around compared to last time, Yes, there was just way too many plays that there was still communication going on while Drew Brees' hands were underneath the center's, you know, ass, okay? I mean, yes, that's just – it's it, when a quarterback or a coach see that there's that communication going on that many times, they're going to call plays where go, let's just get up to the line of scrimmage. We feel comfortable about this play no matter what the defense is. Let's force our pace on them. Right. So, yes, when I think of New England, of course they are going to see that and go, damn, if we continue to send an array of per- personnel sets and formations, they do have communication problems out of the fact, which would be, I'm going to add to another, my main concern of this football game for the Rams defense, and this is something I know that the Patriots will do, they're going to look at the Rams and go, what's the weakness of their team? And they're going to go, damn, there's really no weakness of the players. The starting 11s pretty awesome at all 11 spots. So let's tire them out by going hurry Because up. they don't, they play 11 guys the whole game. And, they and don't that's have where depth. they don't have depth. They But their only thing they do at times is bring in 95 Westbrook at D-tackle yep. just to spell Sue every now and then. Or they bring in Ecubom 
to take out Nickel Roby Coleman because they go base. But for the most of the game, the Los Angeles Rams have the same 11 players out there 95% of the time. Hmm. And my history with the studying New England is when they see things like that, they are going to press the pace issue on them all game long. A lot like they, they did to Seattle. Well, or exactly they did to Seattle. Michael Bennett was like like couldn't breathe at the end of that. They game. did it a lot of times last week. If you go back and watch the game, you'll go. Brad Brady got under 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 the center and just said set hut a lot. Like yeah. he didn't sit there and like this check play. Plus, like it's such an advantage for the offense to run with pace. It is very the Rams offense was better with pace. And we'll no, get to that. You're in a exactly second. right. And and the and the big thing is what does it do? It it it's all about one thing. Because New England, they play. They're, of course, going to find your strengths and not let your strength ruin their game. And then they're going to find the weakness. And the weaknesses for the Rams, their biggest weakness on defense, is lack of depth. And what they'll do, like they did to the Seattle Seahawks in the Super Bowl 49, they're going to run plays and keep the pace, not let them talk a lot at the line of scrimmage. And then all of a sudden, the fourth quarter, we go, where's that great Seahawks pass rush? Where's that great uh, Kansas City pass rush? Well, you know what? They're Worn the F out. They're yeah. worn out to now rushing the passer. They don't have the same intensity and explosiveness they had in the first quarter. I also want to say we're not bad mouthing Breeze. 11 of his 26 receptions went to Alvin Kamara. Yeah. He has only 143 passing yards other than Alvin Kamara. Yeah, right. So that was the focus of the Saints. Yes. But Breeze didn't play great the rest of the game. It's okay to say. Yeah, I'm not afraid of this monster. Yeah, you're right. You're right. But. Alvin Kamara took advantage of the Rams. And this is another thing that you wrote that the Patriots could take advantage of because <coughs> James White. Yes. Rams are going to have to rethink how they want to cover running backs in the passing game. You wrote the Rams had their defensive ends hit Kamara a lot and try and mess his they routes up. They started to do it a little, yes. But right. the Saints abused the Ram with the running back. Right. And the Patriots have two guys they could do it with. Nope. Heck, they could put Cordaro Patterson back there and do it with him too. They could. That's where they're going to have to be... Very careful. They're going to have to have some personnel and situations, whether it's third and four or less or things like that, where they're going to have to go, you know what? We're not going to double Edelman here. We're going to double the back out of the backfield, and we're going to play in and out coverage with the linebackers got their back inside, and LaMarcus Joyner plays the outside, and we're going to make them throw it to Edelman one-on-one versus Marcus Peters or Aqib Tlaib, whatever it may be. But, yes, they're going to have to be picky and choosy about – what they do with New England, especially in those situations where we know they like to throw the tailback. Let's go to Rams offense, Saints defense. First thing, that environment. You wrote too much communication for Rams early in this environment. They need to use all-purpose plays and play with some tempo. This is a McVay problem. Yes. You don't think McVay entered this game with the right philosophy? I don't. I think he uh, put too much on himself and his players and had to realize that, yeah, it might have been loud in Week 9 when you went there, but this is a different animal. This is the NFC Championship game. It's going to be insane. People are going to be blowing fake whistles and things like that, and these people are going to be drunk as hell and so excited for a 3 o'clock Eastern game and lathered up and ready to go to yes there was just too much communication at the line of scrimmage unrealistic to where they couldn't play I mean you know it's hard think about an offensive lineman right he's getting up and he's going oh okay I got Cam Jordan in front of me okay I know Cam likes to do these moves he's okay wait. to his left right okay. right and I gotta worry okay wait we're running we're running 64 zone okay you're right right okay oh wait wait hold on wait wait he's he's talking to me wait wait, wait. Oh, oh wait oh he's checking to 97 Seattle okay it's 97 Seattle okay I 
I gotta do this. And all of a sudden, oh wait, they're silent capping. Well, how much time is on the clock? And then Goff is going yeah, like yeah. this. It's like, so there's no continuity. There's just too much at times. And that's why playing at home isn't an advantage because it takes away some of those things you can do as an offense. Mm-hmm. But yes, I think there was too much on a young football team to communicate early on in the game. And like I said on Monday, take some timeouts too. Like I was going to say, yeah. you said fourth and two, McVeigh timeout in first quarter. Yeah, like so there was a third and seven where McVeigh, I mean, Goff was doing exactly what you're saying. He's clapping for three seconds. The clock's running out. It's a third and seven. Call a timeout. It's the first quarter. Let's gather composure. Go tell your young quarterback, hey, we think we're going to get this on third down. Let's be ready. I like this play. You like this play? Yeah, you do? Okay, good. I don't really fucking care if he does like this play, but I just liked him. Now he feels like he's got input here. You know, talk to your back. What Whatever it is, they're a young football team. I would have liked to see them do that. And then on the fourth down where Breeze got them to jump off sides. Yes. Call a timeout. Come bring them over. Go, hey, this is Sean Payton and Drew Breeze. They got nine million tricks. Don't jump off sides. That's the first thing we're going to do yeah. here. And then watch the ball, watch the ball, and then give them keys about plays yeah. they might want to look we, for. We vilify coaches all the time when they use early timeouts. No, not no, early. No, but I'm but I, yes, we do because we go, we go, huh, Rams using a timeout in the first. That'll come back to bite them at the end of the half. Yeah, I'm okay. just saying, like, the media oh, has I done that I to you. where they go, I need to save all my precious timeouts. I, you're right. See, first, first half timeouts, though, I don't put that on stretched on you. First half is about not making sure you're still in the game for the second half, okay? And they I were in heard, danger of being out of the game. I have heard this from college basketball coaches for the three or four years that I covered the right, sport. Right. Your first half timeouts, use them whenever the hell you need right. to. Get that home crowd out of it. Get our guys right because you can lose the game in the first exactly half. Exactly right. And you need to stop that. Right. And then you just got to make sure you have a few for the end of game situations. Right. That's what okay. it is. Yeah. That's where I and that's where I always look at like um, Jeff Fisher. I always will give him a lot of credit here. The first half, the quarterback could call a timeout, but in the second half. Nobody calls a timeout except for me. So I love that. He would be third and 11, and the clock was running out. I'd be like, well, screw you, offense. Should have got the playoff. What We're going to third about, and 16. What you said about Jeff Fisher after a defensive touchdown timeout was always great. He was, he's great at that stuff. That's where, I mean, Jeff Fisher, to me, again, I don't even know how we ended up here. My fault there. But he, he, is the, he would be a perfect GM, a perfect president of football operations guy that has useful conversations like this with the head coach. And I do think he yeah, has I a tremendous know. eye for talent, but I know. I would make him like the assistant to the regional manager. or so. I don't know How if dare you. the whole title. Alright, so here's uh, three notes that you had that are concerns if you're a Rams fan about Sean McVay's vaunted offense. Mm-hmm. Rams ran more boots and play action passes than I remember, but the Saints are still all over the routes. The Saints defense is winning scheme and the physical battle. The only positive you really saw was Roger Saffold. Yeah. And then you really wrote, the Rams offense is is too predictable. Yeah. The Saints are all over the routes when they're running pressure. Right. I thought nothing about this Rams offense would ever be predictable. Yeah. But apparently it's gotten to that point. Well, it's the time of the year where, again, you look at I, I especially, and I know other defensive coaches will do this as well, you start to just look at the areas they attack. Forget all the window dressing and everything about it. You just it. pull up a heat map and you go, they're either attacking the middle, right. the side, or deep. If we had a just spray focus chart, on that. Right. Yeah. If we had a spray chart of where the ball goes, just like a three-point shooter, and oh, these are all the places he or likes to shoot pitcher. from. Or a pitcher. Right. He always takes it high and inside. Yeah, exactly right. Same type of thing. And I think when you break down the Rams, more times they're not, I think you could go inside, I mean, curl routes, right? And then everything in the middle, which is cross, deep crossers, shallow crossers, 12-yard straight edge in cuts, 
they really attack that part of the field more times than not. Robert Woods over the middle and late in the game. Same type of thing. That's the area they live on. The only time they ever really get outside the numbers at times is a sweep sweep or maybe he's a bootleg where the guy runs a comeback that way down there. But other than that, yes, I think it's going to be very important for the Rams to self-scout themselves. For the New England Patriots. When I read that, yeah. I thought of the Falcons yeah. in their Super Bowl against the Patriots because they did self-scout. Yes. And we were worried they were so predictable on defense and all that. And they came out. And I think it it's sometimes an advantage against Belichick is if you're a little bit simple in your scheme, he's going to figure it out. Where if you just do the complete opposite, you have a chance early on. No, that's what Atlanta but you did. Have You're right. To. That's a great example. Atlanta was their one. Atlanta came out and said, oh, we've run cover three the entire year. Right. We're going man. And right. it was like, what? Right. Go man. Or quarter, we're going to play quarter. cover three. But right. we're going to give it a totally different disguise. And look, you'll have no idea what we're doing. Yeah. And yes. You have to play the long game. It's almost like the whole year you have to prepare for the Patriots to run one offense. And then the Super Bowl, it's like, we're going flea flicker. We're going draw. We're going screen. Usually when I run this play action, pass my Z receiver runs a 20 yard crossing route you know this week we're going to run that play and he's going to fake like he's going to run the crossing route he's going to run to the corner you have to do all the opposites that's why the Super Bowl is so great it is exactly why it's you also said Josh's high school nickname in that breakdown Mm, straight edge in cut (laughs) that was not my high school nickname actually you know what my high school nickname was I don't scoop Oh, oh Scoop. Scoop. You are a Scoop. The, Scoop offensive, the offensive line coach in my high school nicknamed me Scoop my freshman year because I always had the Scoop. Coach, is it true that your left guard has an ankle sprain? All right, that, Scoop. That was actually me freshman year. Uh, really? And actually still now. Champ, but... champ, champ. Champ, champ. Anyway. No, but you would run a great straight edge in cut. Yep. All right, so they were all over it. You wrote, when the Rams can't run, the passing offense isn't great. Yeah. But then in the second half, you noticed a change. The Rams played with some pace got up, ran the plays, and you thought it really caught the Saints by surprise. Definitely. They stopped doing all the check the the line line of scrimmage. Let's just get up there. We know the play. We're going to run and go with it. And, you know, the defense, the more the defense gets to sit around and sit there and watch an offense, like, line up and communicating – they're getting to go through their mental checklist of this is what my coach taught me. In this formation, they do this. They like to do this in the dropback pass game. You start to throw pace at them, they're just going, oh, strength left, strength left. And then they're getting ready. They have no time to go through their Rolodex of things they were taught all week. I'm and that's reali- what pace can do. I'm realizing something. Yeah. So against the Saints who were prepared for it, and you know Belichick's going to be prepared for it, this huge advantage by the Rams of getting to be able to communicate from coach to quarterback until 15 seconds left yeah, right. almost seems like it could backfire on them. Because if there's one thing Belichick would do, it's show you a look for the first 25 seconds of a play clock, McVay audibles, and then the Patriots audible. Like, I could already see that happening. I think it's a very good question, certainly. That's a, something I would... Like, if you know that's what they do, then, hey, guys, at 15 seconds, just switch. Should ch- change a different just defense. Just completely change it up. I would not be shocked if you saw those type of things because, yes, it's not going to be overly loud to where McVay's going to be able to communicate go- like he does with, at right. home with golf. So he's going to be able to stay on there and, hey, let's stay at the line of scrimmage. And, all. and I would bet you that, yes, old New Englandy will have a... Like, you know, dummy call for defense in sure. certain situations. We're going to show this blitz, but at the 12-second mark, we want you to back out and, you know, go to a three-man pressure. Did whatever you just call be. them old New England Old New England 
old they... Billy Ball game. Uh, in, in the end, though, you said third and two, that great Goff rollout where he found the tight end. Saints were all over that play. Yeah. Everybody was locked up. I felt like somebody slipped, which allowed Everett to get that ball. But you said when the Rams want to run, they go to Saffold. Yes. The Saints, their front four in big moments, just couldn't get the pressure. You didn't think Marcus Davenport was 100% yet. No, definitely not. But overall, what did you think of Goff's game? I thought Goff... Uh, overall, played a pretty damn good football game. I really did. I mean, to take into the fact that, of course, there was the early game struggles. He didn't buckle there. Um, you know, never really lost his composure or anything like that. And then once they got in a little bit of the flow of the game, I mean, he made some difference-making throws, like we've talked about, whether it was the fade down the sidelines to Cooks uh, at the end of the first half, yep. you know, the scramble that you talked about to Everett. to Everett, the bootlegs in overtime where they were ready for the bootleg, and he's getting hit but still gets it out to the flat to throw it there. Those plays were difference-making plays in the football game. And, yeah, I thought Goff played pretty damn good for for. All the things that you take into account, especially crowd noise and, hey, let's be serious, they didn't run the ball all that great either, so there wasn't a lot there to help them. I think I got done your notes, yeah, and I didn't feel that confident in the Rams because I just kept going, okay, so their offense is a little predictable at this point of the season, and their defense is having an issue covering running backs out of the backfield. Yeah, I know. And they're not that deep. Yep. It, it, all of that scared me. Yeah. I hear you. Because while Aaron Donald and Sue are really good, Belichick knows how to negate people like that. Yes, he He'll does. He'll always find a way. Yes, he does. And you need other things to come on top. So Sean McVay, it sounds like, needs to spend the next two weeks they got their work really, out for really build something unique. I think so. I, I, I do. Yeah, because they're, I, I don't, even on defense, yeah, they're not going to be able to play the same way they've been playing, at least in my estimation, which is basic. Yeah, they've how have they basic. been playing? Man? They, not, man a little, but for the most time, I would say last few weeks, the Rams line up four down defense alignment and play cover three behind it more times than not. You know, there was some third down obvious passing situations, like I told you, where they doubled, you know, Michael Thomas in the slot. But for the most part, it was cover three or man to man here and there. My only other question that I had was um, we're going to get this in the Patriots' notes that your belief for the Patriots is taking away the middle. Yeah. Was there anything about the Rams taking away Michael Thomas and the shallow crosses and the lookies that you think means philosophically they may be good at taking away the middle of the Patriots? I do. But the, the first thing I go to right away is Wade Phillip knows the Patriots. Yeah, everyone's so been telling me that. He's that's a good, good thing. He's, I mean, just whether you just look at his last two matchups in Denver against New England, you're going to go, oh, that was, those were pretty good performances. So he definitely has a feel for, I think, what New England wants to do attacking-wise. The difference, though, this time around is New England <clears throat> is not spread them out, throw it 55 times New England anymore. New England, come on, man. New England ran 94 plays. Let's get to the game. Let's just get to the game. First thing you wrote, we'll start off on that side of the ball, the Patriots offense, because I'm telling you right now, the Chiefs offense section is depressing. (laughs) Okay? Sims walked in, I was getting makeup, and I said, your Chiefs offense notes are making me sad. Did they fail, Patrick? Yeah. So, really, the reason the Patriots offense isn't as disappointing is because— We're going to go out for the skills challenge tomorrow night. I'm down. Yeah, it'll be a good Don't, night. I might bring Pew. We're going to hang out. Awesome. But 
the the Patriots offense, we expect them to dice up this Chiefs defense. Yeah. They were the 31st ranked defense in the NFL. All the weapons on the Patriots, it made sense. He, I'm going to read all yours verbatim. First off, modern NFL. Patriots run 94 plays, 48 are run, 46 are pass. Just sometimes that simple number. This is the modern NFL where it's all spread and we're talking about Rams, Chiefs, 54-51, and they run 94 plays and more than 50% are runs. I mean, when has that even happened in football lately with a good team? Where we go away and go. I might actually, I could probably you know, find it Like, later. when is the last time we've watched a good team and go, they're actually 52% run and 48% pass? Like, I don't even know the last time I've heard that storyline. And, I, I mean... I mean, there we are. Again, I'm just going to wax boy. It's New England. Again, invent, reinventing the NFL. Old Billy Ball game who invented, you know what, these new passing rules. Let's spread it out. Let me invent Wes Welker, the slot receiver, and screw over the NFL. Now he's gone back and said, you know, I'm going to go back to the Vince Lombardi days of 1963 and just pull guards and run at every freaking play and see if guys can tackle and take on blocks. That is the brilliance of him. It's always a step ahead. Oh, 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 uh, Gronkowski and Aaron Hernandez, the two tight end sets, so popular in the NFL. <laughs> New England was doing that 10 years ago. They've already moved on. They're on three fads later now. Catch up, rest of the league. Oh, hurry up, offense, spread offense. New England already got that 10 years ago with breaking the record and having Chip Kelly in on the offseason to tell them how they code plays so quickly and do that. Oh, the running back out of the backfield in the pass game? Oh, that's right. That's New England's been doing that for 10 years now. I mean, they reinvent the sport like every three years. And now you're going to see teams start going, oh, we're going to drive at the fullback and we're going to get another tight end and start running the ball. By the time they get caught up, New England's going to have changed again. And I just want to go again like they're New England, and this is why they've dominated the 21st century. Two things. I was watching the game on Sunday, and I thought about last year's draft. Yeah. Belichick will sometimes show you what he's going to do if you pay attention. Yes, right. When you take a guard... And you take a running back in the first round. And we yell at the Seahawks for taking a running back in the first round. But we look at the Patriots. He showed you in the draft he wants to run the football. He drafted a blocking guard who's not even playing. Oh, by the way, the Patriots are getting a first-round offensive lineman back for next year. That's not even playing in the Super Bowl. He hasn't even played all year. But they drafted a, a, a guard and a running back. He showed you right then he wanted to run the football. Yes. The other thing is, I just looked up. It's, I, I, I think I got it right. Pro football reference. Yeah. I just looked up since the merger in a single game. Has there ever been a team that's run more than run eight, 48 times or more and passed 46 times or more? Patriots are the only team since the merger that have ever done that. It's insane. They're the only team in the, in the NFL since 1970 who have attempted 48 runs and attempted 46 passes in the same game. They're the only team. I just did it. It's insane. This day and age, everybody wants our receivers. Andy Reid would have gone 72 to 22. <laughs> Probably. No, but you talked about all the things the Patriots have really started. Yeah. Um, it's, it's incredible. You, to go into it, you go, early on, it is a clinic on how to teach the run game to a third-down shotgun. And you said, Patriots' first drive is why you take the ball first if you're Andy Reid. This is their worst nightmare. Worst nightmare. And I know it's something I said last week. Yeah. This is what I was scared of. That, oh, yeah, we're going to kick the ball off like they did the week before to Andrew Luck and company. 
And I want to say, hey, that was cool. But you have to re- evaluate the opponent this week. And New England is famous for starting fast, really. And this is the New England Patriots, which you also know your defense is not that good. I can't believe they did. So yeah. they just completely took the air out of the stadium. I mean, they took the mojo out of the stadium from get-go. Mm. And it was a clinic in run game stuff. Second drive, another third down shotgun run conversion. Who does it? They had three shotgun run conversions On in the first down. two drives, and you said no one else in the NFL would have the balls to call that. Nobody three times. would have the balls in the same drive, let alone two consecutive drives to go, it's third and four. Let's pull the guard and smash him. Everybody else is like, oh, we got to drop back and uh, we got to high low the weak side defender. And uh, we're in the other side. We're going to play a game and pick this guy. And hopefully they're all open. And New England's just like, nah, we've studied all week. And you keep playing these dumb defenses like this on third down. And, you know, most teams want to pass it, but we just think if we block all of you down, nobody will be there. And James White will get six yards on fourth, third, and four. To and that, do. To that point, yeah. two things really stuck out to me. One, you said the Chiefs just don't understand some of the slants by the defensive linemen in the running game. Yeah. Pats are coached too well, too hard on the offensive line, and they're way too hard on the second-level guys. And you also said you would have liked to see Chris Jones at nose tackle more. Yeah. That the Chiefs' lack of disguise with their defense, the fact that they just sat in the same thing, when when the Patriots went to shotgun, they went, oh, these are your pass rushers. We can run on them. Pretty much. So exactly the, right. So the discipline of the O-line yes. and the simplicity of the Chiefs' defense, right. the Patriots could go on third and four. This is perfect for exactly us. Exactly right. Oh, you're going to put a double A-gap guy like we've seen you do? Oh, we got to play for that this week. And Tom touches his ear hole, and everybody goes, oh, it's the old, it's the ear hole. We're going to screw him in the ear hole play, right? And, I mean, and then all of a sudden they, they get the first down. But, yes, the Chiefs, in my opinion— they do a little too much with their defensive line at times. You know, I always go back to this, right? You know, it's just not realistic to ask a guy. You know, I thought they were simpler though. I, were they simple in comparison to the Texans, but not simple at, like that much? Yes, right, right. They're simple. The Texans, compared, you were the saying Texans they were crazy. is everywhere, okay. right? This is like, you know. They don't do it every play, but they have certain plays where, yeah, like the nose tackle might be shaded to the right edge of the center, but then at the snap, he tries to go to the other gap over there. And that's great. But, you know, first of all, the interior offensive linemen for the New England Patriots are very good. I mean, he drafted three athletes there. They're not like Brandon Brooks like you guys got there. These yeah, you road said graders. Mason, Andrews, and Tooney are so good at adjusting on the fly, and they're very athletic. They are very athletic. That's why they're great at pulling. That's why they're great at screen blocking. And for teams that do stant, stunt and slant a lot, yeah, they're athletic to go, oh, he's there, but oh, wait, he's trying to cross my face and go this way. Okay, I'm athletic. I'll just ride him that way and let him keep going that way. And if he wants to stop in that gap, good luck. I'm riding him, and I'm 300 pounds, and he's going to go two gaps over. Mm-hmm. And then it makes it hard on the second level to left go because then they're trying to go, oh, wait, he's got to this gap. Let me we're, – we were trying to show like we were going to play it real basic. Now i got to shuffle over and get to this gap. But holy cow, that gap's huge because they blocked down there, and now mm-hmm. it's like twice the size as it should be. So there was those issues, let alone I thought – there was one or two plays where like guys messed up on which way they were slanting, right? Uh, the whole defensive line slanting to the left, but one guy went to the right, and all of a sudden it's like, well, damn, there's a hole there's a that hole. Lefko can run through. So sometimes, Josh, I think Sims is trying to do some stand-up comedy in his notes, and he yep. landed this one, I thought. He goes, Patriots have played five of the best pass rushers in the NFL in the last two weeks, and none of them even know what color Brady's eyes are. <laughs> Just a good line by him. They shut down Houston Jones and Ford. 
this week. Last week it was Ingram and Bosa. Right. Should a good pass rusher know the color of the quarterback's eyes? Yeah, he, should know, what his, he should know what his breath smells like. Okay. I mean, that's what he really should know. That level of detail Definitely. through the face mask. Without a doubt. He should be like, man, Tom's breath stinks. Like, I'd, I want to get back here and hit him, but, man, his breath's horrible. Yeah. Like, no, I mean, this is what New England is just amazing at. Here we are. I mean, five of the best pass rushers we've seen, and – they don't even touch Tom Brady, let alone like knock him down or pressure him. They don't touch him. Like he comes away on a grass field and has no grass stains on his fucking uniform. You made I was gonna say you're making Josh nervous. I know. With all the the bad breath stuff. I'm usually fine. <laughs> but, no, thank you. But but yeah. it's just you're, you're amazing. What they do once again is Aggressive defenses, they go, oh, you're aggressive. That's one of your strengths. Well, we're we're going to take away your aggressiveness. And when you have to sit there and worry about the run, worry about the run. Oh, oh, wait, he's faking the run. Let me rev up and try to pass rush. Oh, it's too late. He's already throwing the ball. Okay, no, they're going to throw this time. I'm coming off the edge hard. Oh, damn it, on third and four, they ran inside on me? What? I didn't think that was going to – it's just always that. And it's not just throw a line that can block. Edelman and Cordero Patterson, you said, can block any linebacker and any safety. And that's what makes them so dangerous because then you go, oh, they're in 11 personnel. Here comes three receivers. Surely they're going to pass it. They're not going to pull a guard on this set. And all of a sudden, Tom goes, oh, the safety's down in the box. Damn, we're a little outnumbered. And he brings one of them in. And Cordero comes and Cordero in. Cordero comes in and he goes right between the tackle Cordero's and the tight end. Cordero's huge. He's a man. He's yeah, like 6'4, like 230. Yes, he's ripped. And Edelman is fearless and strong as hell too. He'll just put his body in there. So they are they are guys that yes, at least will put their body on you to give them the chance. And again, it just makes them you know not one dimensional. Now on the Brady interception that was negated by the D Ford offsides. Yeah, you wrote he thinks the game is over. He did not see that penalty. Why is he so herky jerky? He got it was one of the few times all game he was felt the pressure of the pass rush a little bit. Like he was looking downfield to his right, and I can't remember if it was Houston or D Ford coming to his back edge, but they were coming to his back edge, but they were gonna get pushed by, but he could feel their presence. And like without locating Gronk, he kind of just like went there and threw it all in one motion. He never really looked at him, right? He was like looking downfield, and then he just threw his feet and his body over there and threw it and yeah. looked at him all in one motion, and he lost control of the ball. And, yeah, you know me. I like to watch what people do after the play. I mean, he truly thought the game was over. Brady started the jog after the guy, after he picked it, and then just sit there, and the, the shoulders slumped, and the head went down. And he was turning around to walk off the field. And then they realized there was a flag, which was egregiously offsides. Egregious. Egregious. Like he was ahead in front of everybody else. How does that happen? I know. I know. But he was, you know, I heard Andy Reid say, like, usually a guy gets a warning. You get a warning if you're like an inch off sides, okay? Where they might go, hey, you're cutting it close. You need to back up a little bit. But if you're blatant. But when your like, whole head is past the football, there's no warning. How is no one else on the defense telling him to get I back? I don't know. No you're right. It. Nobody sees it. But because they're all down in this position, right? And they're all looking yeah. at the ball. And the and linebackers on can't it. see. No, and they can't really tell. And they got their own things to go. And, yeah, I mean, the only guy that might see him is the other side, the pass rusher, to go like, hey, I can He's see you. so the- far ahead of me. Right. <laughs> Move back. But, yeah, that was um, – like I said on Monday, I thought on TV that Brady might have saw the penalty out of the flag. But he did not. But even before the snap, you know, just to say, I mean, again, just so we take any ref controversy away from this, the ref is sitting there before Holding the snap his, with his hand. It was. Yeah, he knows the guy's lined as up As soon offsides. as it snapped, he threw, he threw it, it up. In the air. Exactly right. Um, 
Also, everyone's making such a big deal on the big third down completions in overtime. Yeah. And you wrote that on the first and second one, they're really busted coverages and ma- mistakes by the Chiefs. They knew they were in two-man, right? So two-man for everyone, man-to-man underneath, five guys man-to-man underneath, straight across the board with two safeties back, right? So it can really allow you to play aggressive on the underneath routes because you have help behind you. And what New England did was they first had a stack, right? And... The first one where Edelman caught the post to Brady's left down the middle, they're supposed to switch it. The two defenders. It's stacked. One of them's going to take the first guy outside. The other's going to take the first guy inside. Fuller messed up. He went with his guy that he was covering the whole time, and they switched the release. So he had to take Edelman. He jumped to his guy and then tried to get back, but it was too late. He was wide open. It was an easy completion for Brady. Then the next third and ten, they did similar play, other side, and instead of lining up in the stack this time, they motioned him from out, right? And then they went across again. He went underneath to where it was a stack release again. But the guy covering him kind of ran into the guy who was covering the other guy. And all of a sudden, it was a free completion down the middle. And then on the third, third and ten, they said, you know what? Screw this two-man look. They've obviously no one in it. And they tried to play just single safety, 11 rat, right? Where one safety's deep, another one plays for the middle because they're going, we're not going to let Edelman throw it over the middle. We, we called it robber. Robber, sure. A robber or rat, it depends on what safety it is yeah. usually. You know, when and I, when I had a good defend in Madden, I would play robber. You would play robber. Yeah. And, but then that play was asking Gronk. Gronk slant and you know Eric Berry being asked something to do that he's not ready to do no. at this point of the season with being injured as long as he So was. not to make this all positive Patriots on the Patriots offensive side of the ball you did give a little game plan on what you would do to defend them yeah. specifically for the Rams yeah. you said when playing the Patriots you have to crowd the middle of the field in the passing game when I read that the first thing that came to my mind was Rex Ryan. Yeah. Because that's what Rex used to exactly do to, to right. Tom Brady all exactly the time. Right. Just drop back seven guys. Both Brady interceptions came over a crowded middle. You said you would force play actions to show oh, the Pats, to show that they will consistently throw outside one-on-one balls. Yeah. And if you were the Rams, you'd play man-to-man on the outside and flood the middle with the other players. Exactly right. That's Almost how play you like, would defend the Rams. I, the think, uh, the, I think I would, yeah. I would play... Uh, listen, you paid. Th- this is the this is the pay- this is the payoff game. My early breakdown of that would go. This is the payoff game. This is why you got to keep Talib and Marcus Peters. This it's this game right here. Here it is because you have an advantage here in one area specifically in this matchup where they don't have great receivers that are going to scare you deep or do anything like that, and you have big time corners. So they're going to have to be asked to maybe do more uh, than their normal you know lunch pail of work here. Okay, so that would be the thing I would do, and then yes, I would flood the middle to you know, and again Brady still throws it awesome and can throw it outside the numbers, but I'm just saying they don't love to do that. You have to take away something from New England. You have to start some. Somewhere, and I would start with I'm not going to let them throw to Edelman and Gronk over the middle of the and field. Die by a thousand. Exactly points. right. Like you know what? If he can throw 20 yard comebacks to yeah. Edelman on Marcus Peters all day, then damn it, you deserve the Super Bowl and go ahead. But you're going to have to do something out of your comfort zone, and that's what my plea to the Rams would be. It it makes a lot of sense to yeah. me. Yeah. I'd rather lose to Brady trying to throw deep than. 15 Surgical, play, James White over the minute. middle, yeah. Edelman over the middle, Gronkowski over the middle. Like, yeah, come on. Beat me deep. Do something else. You gotta, they're going to have to beat because me Because we have better formula. athletes than you. Exactly right. They're going to be the more talented team on the field, certainly. Where's the money on your team? Right. And then use it. Exactly right. Yeah. Your front four, That's your two corners. Right. Exactly right. There you go. Thanks for buttoning that up there, yep. kid. Are you ready to be you, sad? You're inspired. 
Okay. By your brother in the... I am, yeah. I'm really Shout brought out. her for today's podcast. All right, Chiefs offense, Patriots defense. What we always like to see when the Patriots defense is on the field is on the first play, who's guarding who. Yeah. Does Belichick ever, like, lie on the first play? Well, you have to get him into a play. It doesn't always necessarily mean the first play, but you got to get him into the play, that Third first down. play of, like, oh... This is, they have to do this. Okay, they have to throw. It's third and long. What's he going to do to screw them over in that situation? So here is how the Patriots defended the Chiefs. They put J.C. Jackson on Travis Kelsey. Mm -hmm. We knew that was going to be the case. They put Gilmore on Watkins. As we've always said about Belichick, he'll take his number one and he'll eliminate your number two. On that first play, Conley was on the field. They put Jason McCourty, the other corner, on Conley. On Tyreek Hill, they doubled him with Devin McCourty and Jonathan Jones. So not even J.C. Jackson, not even Gilmore, Jonathan Jones and McCourty. They quick doubled guy him. who could probably handle the quickness underneath, and then they always had a guy over the top. And then you begin to write, and this is where I begin to cry. Every play... It's the same coverage. The Patriots are up in the Kansas City receivers' faces, and the the Chiefs didn't adjust. But you also wrote down a little too much grabbing from Gilmore and J.C. Jackson. But this is a smart move by Belichick. Mm -hmm. The refs don't want to be the stars of the championship game. They don't want to throw flags in the first three plays. Exactly right. So you set the tone early, you get real handsy, and now that's the new normal for the Patriots. And you think that that's an actual coaching instruction to be handsy. Early, be physical, be handsy. You know, when in doubt, hold. Don't get burned on anything deep early. Like, if you just... Just take the penalty. Just take it, whatever. Right, all of that. I think all of that comes into play in their thought process, yeah. So I'm just going to run down all the ones that frustrated me about the Chiefs' inability to take advantage of the double team. No dedication to the run game for Kansas City. The offensive line getting whooped by one defensive tackle and one defensive end. The Chiefs have to have more man-to-man beaters for Kelsey and Tyreek. And really what I thought was the biggest issue... You're running Tyreek on a shallow cross. He's dragging two guys with him. Means there's no safety deep. Why are they not filling that void and taking advantage of the Patriots showing their hand and double-teaming Tyreek Hill? Because nobody had played them like this the whole year. No one double-teamed Tyreek Like they did, but not to where they're matching up with everybody else. Not to where they're just going unabashed double-team. Like, screw a safety in the middle of the field. You're the greatest arm thrower and deep ball thrower ever. We're going to do shit that you would never think we're going to do. And we've played you twice the last two years, and we didn't do this in this mat- those matchups either. So that was one thing. They just weren't prepared for it. They weren't like going to go. They- I just don't think – I think they thought, okay, there'll be some situations where they double Tyreek, but they're not going to play us man-to-man across the board. They'll have somebody deep in the middle of the field even when they do that. But, no, they said negative Ghost Rider. That's not going to fly. And, yes, they played the same coverage every play until, I believe, 10 9 in the third quarter. They dropped back and played three zone. One That, that was the first time I said, damn, that's the first time they have a man-to-man doubled Tyreek hmm. the whole game. And you know why they did it then? Because I think the Chiefs had had... That was one. They'd already scored on the first drive to make it fourteen seven, and they were backed up. And he was going, "I know Andy Reid. 
He might have a feel for my defense now. He's going to take a shot right here. He's mm-hmm. going to try to go for the jugular, and he played something safe and different, so they couldn't game plan some play on the sidelines for the coverage we're talking about. And you said the Patriots did a good job of containing Mahomes with a late-game greed dog looping linebacker. Yeah, late-game. Yeah, so, you know, we talked about on Monday how we saw, like, the defense ends crash inside, right, to almost be the inside rushers, and then the defensive tackles would loop outside, right? The end tackle game, they would call that, right? But what they did, too, was their linebacker would come up into the line of scrimmage and be there to where the center has to respect him. Like, oh, the center's like, oh, I'm not sure if he's blitzing or what, but he's kind of attacking me, so I can't go help out my other guards. But then as soon as they were just paying attention to Mahomes, and as soon as the Mahomes and the twisters started to go there, they would start to loop around the edge to be that next guy there just in case he got outside of the mm. twist that he was gonna, they were going to be there and not let him scramble. Yeah, you said the Chiefs didn't call enough uh, plays to back up the Patriots. No safety sometimes, no safety over Sammy, and they never pushed the ball downfield. No, it's disappointing. Other than that one bomb on third and two to Sammy that exactly. got it done. Which was a scramble play. It wasn't even like, again, that was a... That wasn't a called shot. That was Mahomes getting out of the pocket to the right, which he was not able to do a whole lot, mm. and making an amazing play. But yes, where I think the, they really messed up more than anything is, of course, you know, there's they should have approached things differently. They could have made life hard if they put all three in a bunch together. You want to play that coverage where you double-team one guy and man-to-man the other guys? Okay, try sorting this out when we crisscross in a bunch and everything. Have fun like running into each other there. Okay, the other thing you could do, of course I wanted to see more deep shots from a, for a Watkins or a Kelsey. Take the aggressive, take the no fear that Belichick and Flores have during the game to go, just get in their face, keep getting in their face. Like there was never anything to back them off. And they did in the fourth. They did in the fourth. Finally, they started coming up with some plays that were going to screw over this coverage. And the last thing I think they really messed up was they put Hill, once they realized after like the second drive, okay, they're double teaming him every play. You got to take Hill out of the slot, right? You take him out of the slot because now that free safety in the middle of the field who's really doubling, he has to show his hand to get over there. And if you have Kelsey and Watkins in the slot, let's just say running seam routes, There's nobody there. I mean, they could have literally just ran four verticals with Hill outside and go double him. But if if but by keeping him in the slot, they're in essence keeping the the safety safety in the the middle middle of the field field to where it doesn't even sometimes you're not even sure are they doubling him here or is he just because he's where he would normally be exactly right. So they never force them to show their hand that way. Uh, you did say in the fourth quarter the Patriots chained it up and put J.C. Jackson on Sammy and Gilmore on Kelsey, which we were talking before. This is what this is what Rick Pitino used to do when they won the championship. Yeah. I'm going to show you a defense for 25 seconds, and at 10 seconds of the shot clock, different guys guarding it. Right. And it's you were saying this before. Oh, you're used to going up against J.C. Jackson, and you think you may have a bead on him and understand his eyes and his right. hands and right. his hips. Right. Here's Stephon Gilmore in the fourth quarter. Right. New now wrinkle. This. Exactly New wrinkle. Right. Yeah. Not like not mind blowing, but we switched up the matchups. You were com- you were finally getting comfortable be- beating JC Jackson and damn, now we put Stefan Gilmore on you in the biggest moments. Is that decided before the game that you're going to do that in the fourth quarter or do you adjust based on how the game is No, going? I think that was a fourth quarter change up wrinkle like Got that it. they went in where he was like I don't want to reinvent the wheel here, but let's give them something a little different here just to 
you know, make the players to, not feel as comfortable. You don't want to sacrifice three quarters of not having the matchup you want. No, exactly right. I think they felt comfortable with those matchups. And I think they're thinking, let's change it up. And I also think they're thinking, it's the fourth quarter. They're going to go to Kelsey more in this Got situation. Him. So let's put our best guy on him yep. now. They did get the Watkins deep pick play, the Robinson deep cross. Uh, you did say they were able to use swing passes to Williams across the formation. Yeah, to get some really four on the side. The Patriots. Right, right. So you did find ways to take advantage of them. Yes. But just too little too late. Too little too late, too much on number 15. Just that's just it was too it was it was a great team playing a handful of great players and the team won. And they just asked number 15 to do too much on his own where there's Tom Brady and he was great, but he had a lot of help along the way to be great. And that it, was yeah. my saddest thing is we applauded Andy Reid all year for his formation usage, yeah. for his pre-snap motion, for the jet sweeps, for moving guys around, never letting you get comfortable, making you show your hand early in the play clock because of all of our movement. And when I looked back at that game, there was none. Tyree Kill stayed in the slot. They did not, there was not a jet sweep. I would have liked a Tyree Kill at running back. That would have messed up the Patriots. There wasn't a bunch, there wasn't a motion. No, there was, and so yeah. for you to go into a game against Belichick and, and rightfully go, we have better athletes, but for you to kind of go, we're just going to beat you, nobody does that. That's the saddest thing is that a season defined of distraction and and this creativity and in the biggest game of the year to use none of it it just felt like a lo- it just it, I know. it felt like a, it's a bad game by Andy. it's disheartening and you know again just i i just you know nobody uses new england's logic on new england that's where i want to go like you know how we talk about like it's our job to show that they can't do this like new, at some point Kansas City's got to go, damn, they're only playing two defensive linemen on the field. And they're it's playing th- Trey Flowers, a defensive tackle. Right. It's Trey Flowers and one of the big D tackles, and it's four linebackers or three linebackers every play. And that was their weakness. And if you're going to beat New England, you have to exploit some of the matchups that you have in your favor. Kansas City, you have a good offensive line. If they want to play with three small defensive ends and a linebacker punch and only have face. one run stopper, yeah, you got to be willing to punch them in the face a little bit more. And I felt like you know they weren't willing to do that. No, and it stinks too because you spent all week, and it's it's funny saying that you need to establish the run has become a very divisive statement in this current football climate, where some people believe that rushing attempts aren't that big of a deal. The problem is, is because they kicked the ball off, and because the Patriots had the ball for like fourteen of the first sixteen minutes, they probably felt up against it. So Damian Williams getting ten carries for the game. It was never going to be enough. It's like one of the things we said last week, right? They had to be around 20. keep your defense off the field. Exactly. Exactly right. Now, the one critique you did have for Mahomes, if there is one, is that he has to get better at stepping up in the pocket next year. (laughs) Yeah. I won't hear it. Well, when he wrote one critique for Mahomes, I was like, oh, no. What is it? <laughs> There's and an imperfection? And then it's step up in the pocket. Yeah. And I was like, that's every young quarterback ever. It is. It is exactly right. It's a young quarterback thing that has It's the elite. Breezes and the Bradys that you watch their feet and you go, wow, they step up so perfectly. Yeah, and they, it's because they don't have the athletic ability to spin out and run around the edge. So, right? So, they've never had that uh, that ability to do that. Yeah, so it's never they, been tempting to they, Right. So, they stay within their confines. Trubisky does the same shit. Right. Exactly right. You 
you see Deshaun do Watson. it too. Watson, yes. Russell Wilson, Wentz. Right, exactly right. It's all those type of guys because they have gotten away with it for the most of their life. High school, college football, whatever. It's a but, lot easier to tell Fendrick to lay up than a guy that's been dunking his Exactly whole right. Like, yeah, hey, LeBron, uh, you do you do layups just like the white boy. It's better Fendrick, to protect okay? your ball and do the layup. It's like, no, I know what I'm capable yes, of. Yes, right. So uh, that's, um, that's just something. Can you dunk? Just yeah. Yeah. He's got some calves for <laughs> it. I do have some calves, but yeah, if the rim's around six feet. But he's got to get better at that. Did the you game hear is still praise Drew Brees' footwork, by the way. We right. just let that totally go by unnoticed. Drew Brees is a great quarterback. He I is. think Drew Brees could play another season and they could go to the Super Bowl. Yeah. I really think they have the team for it and I, all that. I'm yeah. just messing with you. Yeah, it's just um Game's gotta be one in the pocket though. Hasn't changed yet. Game's gotta be one in the pocket. I haven't I haven't seen a quarterback go into the Super Bowl and run around everywhere and win one yet. I haven't seen it. Josh Allen, 2020. Russ Wilson was close in Super Bowl 49 there at the end. But other than that, the game is won by the guys who can be precise, stay in the pocket, and make big throws from there. And Mahomes needs to improve that just a little bit. So my big takeaways for both of the game from your film study. Right. The Chiefs' defense was too simple. Mm -hmm. They stayed in the same thing. The Chiefs' offense was too simple. They didn't do it. But they did have some good plays, and they were able to adjust late in the game, but it was too little too late. The Patriots' patience with their running game is unmatched. Their use of formations, their ability, uh, especially in this game, to isolate and tire out the other team was all you needed. But there are ways to defend them for the Rams. Clogging the middle, forcing Brady to beat you on the outside, and making sure you're able to take away that run game if it's possible. From the Rams-Saints perspective, the Rams need to not be predictable in their offense. The entire league now has two years of Sean McVay, and Belichick is going to go and watch Sean McVay running routes at Miami of Ohio (laughs) to go and see Maybe he likes to call these routes because he ran these routes. So he really needs to come out offensively and and mix it up yeah. because your zones are taken care of. Exactly. Now the Rams' defense, their issue for the Super Bowl is going to be how do you defend running backs out of the backfield yeah. because I, I think the Eagles took advantage of that in that win too when they went to L.A. and beat them. They definitely but, but did. But Kamara out of the backfield was an issue. White will be the same way. And... Just I get done reading your notes. It's going to be an uphill battle for the Rams. Definitely. But like I feel like we already knew that, but yeah. it just sometimes the film like would putting Aaron Donald at defensive end be a wrinkle or would the Patriots go, "Well, we're just going to run that way." Yeah, it's going to be the 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 Rams are going to have to find a few new wrinkles for the game on both sides of the ball to give New England something to think about, but the Rams have this to rely on. They are the more talented team. I do believe that. Right? Every Patriots Super Bowl, I feel like, has well, been Well, you're right, pretty much. And they have some matchups to take away some of the things that would concern me. Like what? Like we're talking about the receiver thing once again. Like, hey, New England should not scare anybody with, like, oh, with guys that are going to beat us deep on post routes or go routes. They shouldn't scare anybody. I mean, sorry. Yeah, Cordero's not really a deep He's threat. Really Dorsett's not really a deep threat. You know, Chris Hogan, Edelman. So they're going to have to yeah, take some Gordon. chances. Right, that would have been a, that could have been an been issue, bad. right? Uh, so you might have to take some chances in coverage to take away some other things that you might see schematically that you know give you problems. So that's what I look at from there. You know, and again, hey, listen. I worry also about the Rams receivers against those New England DBs. That's too. what I'm thinking. That's 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 troublesome because no, they're going to jam the hell out of those guys. I, mean, the, I think the duo 
in New England is better than the duo with the Rams. You and think Gilmore and JC is better than Peters and Tlaib? You gave me my choice right now. And huh. I, I can't even believe I'm saying it out loud as I'm saying it. But, yes, I think those two. No, I don't think anybody has put under more pressure on a weekly basis than number 27 and 24 in the Patriots. It also scared me when I read your notes that Sean, May, Sean McVay's timeouts weren't really that great. Yeah. That he came out and, and wasn't prepared for the communication issues. He'll learn. I know he will. But the Super Bowl's different. It is different. Even though the championship game is epic, the Super Bowl is going to be wild. And I'm hard-pressed not to think that this could be a Patriots blowout. Ugh. I mean, of course we're hoping not. Yeah, I don't think so. I think there's too many good coaches on the Rams football side to be blown out. And I think they're too talented. I really do. You know, um, How do you think he game plans for Donald? <sighs> How does he game plan for Donald? Well, he's not going to be afraid to trust his guards every now and then to just go, okay. But he's going to find, again, it's going to be the situations and the plays where he's going to go, wait, this is when I can't let Aaron Donald beat Aaron Donald. And what that situation is, I don't know if I could tell you right now or figure it out, but he's going to find certain plays or certain downs and distances where he's going to go, I don't like this. And we have to do something extra to protect against that or whatever mm-hmm. it may be. Mm-hmm. You know, other thing, the last thing about the Ch- Patriots-Chiefs game, you know what the, one of the most amazing things of this game is, the Patriots-Chiefs game? The fact that it was 37-31. I mean, you look at the stat line and you just go, man, th- this one team must have annihilated the it other team. should have been 37-14. The, the team that ran had 36 first downs against the team that had 18 first downs. Yeah, they doubled them up. 13 for 19 on third down. Four for nine, 524 yards, 290 yards, 94 plays, 47 plays, 43 minutes of time of possession, 20. I mean, all that stuff says, like, oh, that game must have been 31-14. That's what it says to me. I mean, that's I still am amazed, and that's how great Patrick Mahomes is. It really is. That's what it does. It just shows you how great he is because he's just like, oh, well, I got to make five plays, and we might be able to step. I think I can make five. And he only made three or four instead of five. It's. I would not be surprised if Patriots-Chiefs were the AFC championship game for the next few years. I, I, I wouldn't either. At least next year. Yeah. I mean, their offense is that great in Kansas City that they can overcome a 31st-ranked defense and still mm. almost go to the Super Bowl. What are we – are we doing the mailbag tomorrow? That's up to you guys. You tell me. Yeah, I, I think we're going to do a mailbag. So if you hear this and you want to respond, Super Bowl questions, anything, shoot us the mailbag. Uh, just to let you guys know, though, we're recording the mailbag. It's going to come out on Monday. So here is our schedule for next week. Um, we're not obviously doing the betting show because I don't want to make my picks a week and a half ahead of yeah, time. Me neither. Who the hell knows what's going to happen, right. and you don't want to make your picks. Right. You know about our shows, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. We're going to record a mailbag tomorrow that's going to come out Monday so that you're not going a week without hearing from us during the two weeks of the Super Bowl. So we're going to put it out on social, uh, this is Wednesday night, to get more questions and all that stuff. But also, you can hit us up if you're hearing this in the morning because we're not going to be recording till the afternoon so uh shoot us whatever questions you want we're gonna have a mailbag that comes out monday a super bowl mailbag and then you're getting shows wednesday thursday friday Saturday. are you excited for traveling not really neither am i no i'm going sunday i'm going monday hopefully we we beat the the initial rush by going that early (sighs) i know sign up for clear did you get clear yet no man i did that our last super bowl lifesaver 
I might need to at these airports also. That's what with, I, it's scary. With all these public uh, employees, TSA. especially when I hear about how Atlanta is. Yeah, I know. I Atlanta's know. not good even when the government's running. Yeah, that's what I'm worried about. Yeah. But I I know that I'm coming out and saying it could be the Patriots in a big one. Man, I who knows with the Rams? No, it's they're they're too talented and they got too bright minds on both sides of the football for us to just go New England wins. Good film review, Sims. Thank you, Adam. Let's go. Four Sims. Peace out, homies. Four Fendrick. Good evening, everybody. And for the LEFKOE. Man. We will holla 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 at you later. Oh my gosh, Atlanta's gonna be six. Sims and Lefko at gmail.com. Make it happen.